Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by four members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey guys. I have Kev. Hello. I have Scott. Hey. And I have Todd. Hello. That's poor Todd always laughing. Because he's timeless. It doesn't matter if he's first or last. He's just always there forever. (laughs) Nice. So uh, tonight we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about uh, training, especially during all of what's going on. But uh, first we're going to start off with a little bit of news after Kev finally finds a placement for his phone. (laughs) (laughs) You're not putting the video up, I hope. (laughs) So we are Zooming again, obviously. Um, Zoom.us. We think that the limit is longer than 40 minutes, but we shall see if it gets cut off. Um, but as it stands, that's what we're trying to use to record this. So, Kev, just mute, man. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is a theme. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have a loud one. Uh, and Kev's our IT tech as well, which is good. <laughs> and that's there he is. Hey. Hello? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Disconnected. So, Again. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, Scott, you got some news. I do. You do. Oh, Wildfire, right? Oh, right, right. Yeah, um, we have three, um, not big wildfires, but we're starting to get into wildfire season here. Um, in our region, our fire zone, there are currently three kind of notable fires burning. Um, looks like the biggest is only about 50 hectares. Um, so it's not actually that big, um, but it's also pretty early in the season. And uh, the snow is just melting now, so um, could be a bad year. And uh, it's going to be interesting with this uh, with the virus how that's going to be affected. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. So um, it, hopefully, during the wildfire stuff, we don't end up rolling into a flood season as well. Uh, we got lucky last year, and we didn't actually end up getting hit by. Um, too many floods in the area. The year before was crazy. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see how it goes and how we play that out. So fingers crossed that we don't get both at the same time because that would, well, I say both. It would be a triple threat, really, with everything else that's going on. So, And speaking of everything else that's going on, uh, let's have a little chat about that. So, Todd, before we get into some of the training stuff, um, maybe just a little update from you as to how, um, how you have been, um, kind of directed, I guess, from BC ambulance and how you guys are being told now to deal with, you know, certain, uh, PPE, et cetera, as well as any exposure risks and things like that. So Todd. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, our stuff, it, it changes, uh, pretty much daily as well. Now it's getting a little bit better. Um, so before the weekend, our last update, 
what we are doing now is we're having to get, um, we're trying to use one N95 respirator per shift. Uh, we will be reusing them. Uh, we'll be placing them into a paper bag and uh, saving it um, through the through that shift if we need to re-don uh, it. Um, ideally, if you're in a high call volume station, they want the crew to keep that on for the entire shift because obviously it's less chance of exposure, having to re-don and doff uh, uh, already used uh, N95. Um, but we do have some other parameters as far as, so if somebody, if there is a, a positive ILI call or a positive uh, COVID case, uh, we're allowed to dispose of that mask completely and then, then re-don a uh, fresh mask. But uh, they really are trying to just minimize the use of them and minimize the disposal of them. Um, our face shields, uh, essentially it's the same process. So we will be reusing and rewashing our face shield. We'll be uh, doffing it and placing it into a paper bag. And then at the end of the call, we will be um, placing it, pulling it out of the paper bag, placing it on a sterile uh, surface or a clean surface, not a sterile surface, and uh, wiping it down with our cavi wipes and everything from there. And then once it's dry, it'll be clean to be reused and we're storing those in our station. Um, initially, it was supposed to be rolled out kind of one visor, one N95 per shift. Now it's looking like the crews are gonna be using them for multiple shifts back to back. So as long as it's, it's, it's clean and it's not totally scratched and you can still see out of it, they want you to hang on to it and keep using it. We do have a new supplier now of some better visors. The straps are actually uh, plastic as well. So with some Velcro at the back, so it's a little bit easier to clean. Before there are elastic straps, it was a little bit more difficult. There's some concern there. Um, and then just PPE in general. So we're treating every call, every patient contact, uh, minimum standard is N95 visor and gloves. Uh, if you have any ILI or flu-like symptom calls or COVID calls, then you get that non um, or that impervious gallon on as well. Um, that's really about it, I think, for now. Our next update is going to be tomorrow. So we'll see if there's any changes that happen throughout the weekend. Um, we are getting pretty low on PPE. There is a, a concern about that. Um, yeah, so we'll see where this goes. I keep seeing some updates on kind of our social media stuff. Uh, some suppliers are hearing certain ambulance stations, those are 3M. Uh, respirators uh, with the p100 uh, filters so that may be the new standard as well don't know we'll see how it, how it all uh, pans out it's interesting that we've actually gotten to the point now where uh, you know this ppe where everyone was obviously just kind of getting rid of this stuff and now we've gotten to this point of it's being used again and being cleaned it's kind of a really interesting concept obviously where there is no other choice there is no other ppe coming at least if there is it's not the amount that you would expect so having to kind of go to that next level and and reuse this stuff is a very interesting way of dealing with it especially seeing as obviously previously we're told some of these things um can't be reused including n95 masks so the i like the idea of the respirators actually just i guess are they just the kind of the painter 3m ones there todd like the dust masks yeah kind they're, of they're pretty much the what so pretty much that's what they look like. They're the um, that nose and mouth cup uh, with the two filters that go on either side of the uh, the mouth, and we use the P100 filters for them. Um, but again, they have to be fit tested. Uh, so those are kind of the backups. So when we do our fit testing, we fit test to the N95 uh, 1870 plus. It's called, 
And then if that doesn't work, then you wear the 1860. And if that doesn't work, then you get issued this personal one. It's a different type of seal, but you still need to be fit tested. And it's a slightly different process for redoffing and donning and cleaning because obviously it's reusable. Um, but they are having some discussions now as far as even just the reprocessing of our current N95s. Like I said, there's they're starting to wonder, okay, well, should we be throwing these away? Should we be placing them in another bag for the potential um, uh, cleaning and sterilization of this? Um, that was some of the discussions before the weekend. So we'll see this week if that's gone any further. Um, and I don't really know what they're going to be using to uh, clean those masks at this point either. But that is a topic of discussion um, for our managers and uh, team leads. So we'll see where this goes. Speaking of cleaning, actually, um, actually, I don't know if you want to touch on it a little bit with what we actually should be expecting in the mail over the next, you saying this weekend, this week sometime? Yeah, so we've got a uh, ozone machine um, that I've got on order for us at our department. Um, we talked about it briefly, I think the last podcast, so a little bit as well, so um, we had a few that were allotted to the company that I work for, um, and people snagged them up right away, uh, because they had invoices on them. They got snatched before I could get ours. Uh, so luckily I got one spoken for, uh, and it's anticipated to land, I would say by Friday. So hopefully we'll see it by Saturday. Um, and it's a smaller unit, but, uh, we should be able to utilize that for, um, doing some truck decon, doing um, gear, uh, masks like Todd's saying. Um, I see it really helping out with some of uh, the decon that we've been doing now, which I think has been really effective. But uh, the research that's been happening out there, some of, some of the numbers have been looking really, really promising. So I think it would be a, a really good addition to what we're already doing. I agree. Absolutely agree. Um, I had some experience with the ozone stuff, obviously during my restoration time there for a bit and, uh, mm -hmm. it was extremely, extremely useful and, um, did a great job on multiple different jobs that I was working in. So right. I know that it's great for killing those kind of things. So another good add to cleaning the trucks for sure. And our gear mm -hmm. as well. Why not? Um, yeah, I think we should test on maybe smaller items first because some of the research is there that it could be somewhat corrosive, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if it is or not because um, like um, they use that stuff for hot, cleaning hockey gear and stuff, and that that's got parts of it that will eat away. So um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I, it it will definitely add if we can do it. It'll add to that already uh, that spray we use. Um, but I was thinking if we used a um, Rubbermaid container, maybe cut a little hole on the side, pipe it in. We could we could probably do our Z masks in there, mm -hmm. and maybe put a little dowel in for a hanger. So hang the mask off, pipe the ozone right in, let it let it uh, chill in there for a bit, half an hour or something. Pull the RZ mask out. It might even work for uh, for Todd's ninety uh, fives. Yeah, I was just reading um, <clears throat> one of the updates here actually as well. And they said that the um, looks like all of our used masks will be reprocessed and sterilized and stockpiled, but only used uh, in circumstances where N95s or equivalent respirators are not available. So it sounds like they are going to start planning and reusing that stuff, or re recleaning it rather. And then if we do run out, 
we've still got that stockpile. So I'm in a meeting tomorrow morning. We'll find out more about it. That makes sense, I guess. I wonder if after all this is over, if they're going to re-examine how they do this, if they're going to be like every, every paramedic should be issued to, to like more permanent masks, maybe to something like an RZ mask or, or like a respirator that uh, you could use one on shift and then one to clean later or, and come up with a better cleaning process because it seems, it seems like uh, all this throwing stuff away every time is backfiring on, on, on the medical industry. Um, it seems like they should almost have a process where we don't throw everything away. I mean, obviously yeah. it's to throw it away, but now it's better to not throw it away and have it. You know what I mean? Um, I wonder if yeah. in the future they're going to be like, oh, yeah, let's make better equipment that we can keep longer and that we can sanitize easier. might cost a little bit more, but in the long run, you're not going to be in the position we're in right now. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a lot of discussion just amongst members uh, on this, and some of them are pissed off at the service about uh, not being issued better gear. However, you look back at where we were before, the gear that was issued to us was totally satisfactory. We, we had lots of supply, lots of stock, no problem. It was working. But I think now it's, uh, yeah, I, I could see it changing big time. You know, just other areas of, um, of the world are issuing paramedics uh, better kit, personal kit just for that, better respirators that they're responsible for, for that use and reuse. Um, so that very well could be happening. Yeah, it's sort of like a, you know, like a, a cop or something. You know, they get a they have body armor and they get a gun. They get all the stuff issued to them. Um, yeah. They don't throw it away every time, so <laughs> you think they'd be able to make something for, for paramedics? You don't get a new gun yeah. every time you fire it? I, I thought it was standard. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of guys we have on, uh, what's that movie with Clint Eastwood? I don't know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the line of beauty, well, line of fire. Yeah. Gun was made out of plastic. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you passed the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, our CBRN teams, um, you know, pre-2010 when we had them going on with the service, like there was personally issued kit in our in our go bags of the PC4 gas masks and things like that, you know, so that that thought process is out there. It's just, it's all money, right? Um, right. But now that this is changing, um, yeah, maybe they're going to figure out, you know, financially too, fiscally, and of how we can change this for personal kit issue. The thoughts on uh, like ballistic goggles, like rather than those those face shields. Any thoughts on those? Like almost like a ski goggle, but like the you know like SWAT wear kind of thing, because they'd cover your whole face, right? And then and then you like, have your, your mask, your respirator here. Um, no, so the thought with the goggles or glasses, because we were told you can wear safety glasses if you want as well, but we have to wear the face shield. So the reason for that is, is the face shield just protects your face way more for any aerosolized uh, or droplets um, uh, floating through, particles floating through the air. So there's videos out there where somebody sneezes and you can see that they're just, the face shield is covered. Uh, then when they take that off, there's, their face is totally clean, a little bit on their gown. Um, however, with the goggles, you're still contaminated a lot. So it's just better coverage. Uh, that's why a lot of other centers will wear um, regular surgical masks with the visor attached as well. It's more protection. Um, the reason why we have the full head visor and face shield that comes down is because we're mandated by WorkSafe to have our N95 respirator right, versus right. the surgical mask that you see a lot of people wearing. Right. 
Ash, did you have something there as well? Uh, yeah, I was just going to comment back on the ozone uh, machine. So I come from an automotive industry background. Um, we would use that years ago uh, at a previous job um, for used vehicles. And we would pump that in overnight and leave it on inside of vehicles um, with zero effects. I mean, I couldn't say what happens 12 years down, down the road, but uh, zero effects to any fabrics and plastics and leathers. Um, so again, I, I can't really speak to like our gear because I mean, there is some, some pretty specifics when it comes to uh, fire resistant and all of its testing that goes along with it. But uh, the inside of the cab, at least with that, I would feel uh, very confident that whatever we were, pumping in there with the ozone machine, uh, it wouldn't have any lasting effects where it would be taking something away any worse than what we're spraying in there now. I would agree, especially, mm -hmm. I mean, I've used it in houses with full furniture, um, yeah. everywhere. And again, it's, it's recommended by, uh, the cleaning industries to be able to use mm -hmm. it for those kind of purposes. So I would agree still very much. So, yeah. So, um, speaking of obviously trucks and everything else and somebody's phone being dinged. <laughs> um, one of my kids' iPads. With, uh, <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, with uh, the, the uh, obviously talking about going back and uh, gear and sanitization and cleaning and going back to training. So uh, let's, uh, let's open with that. So we're obviously, we have had a few conversations. We're obviously all missing training. We all want to we'll get back into the fold and start doing things. We are an essential service. We are all obviously still showing up for fire calls. Um, when our pages go off, we're still attending to the hall. We're still, you know, practicing the social distancing. We're deconning after, um, we're only doing, um, four people in a truck instead of throwing somebody in that back middle seat as well. You know, so there's, there's that kind of break there too. Um, and then obviously, like I said, when we get back, we're doing that full decon with the air sprayer, um, that we're using our decon solution with plus spraying down and scrubbing down all of our gear. Now, when it comes to the training side of things and bringing that back around, um, and actually getting people reinvolved again, let's discuss how that could potentially look because again, from, and I will play devil's advocate in this too. We're going to have that group where. No, we were told that we can't do this. But as an essential service, you see Todd and you see the other uh, paramedics and you see nurses and doctors. You see people in the grocery store still hanging out around each other with that distance thing still allowed. And yet we maybe potentially, um, you know, have a bit of a stigma attached if we go back to training, which I don't think is fair, but it's still that point of view. So who wants to take it from the beginning there? Okay, let's go. Yeah, so, I mean, let's put it in context right now in British Columbia, our, our numbers are, are flattening daily. Like today was another like 20 cases and at our height, we were up to like 75 a day. So now we're down to 20 in the last, well, so 20 yesterday, 20 today, new cases. Um, recovery rates are up. So that curve is flattening. Um, we're waiting for at least another week, another week. Yeah, another week until we're going to possibly re-examine training. Um, I think to, to touch on what you said, Carl, um, we have to 
I, I mean, I, as firefighters, we have to keep training because that's like, that's, that's our thing. Like training, like how many, like really how many fires do, do all fire departments get? Not that many, but we need to have that training level up. So training is basically like our work. You know, that's, that's part of our job is to train. Uh, it's, going on calls is good. That's what we have. That's what we're, that's what we're there for. But training is part of our work to be prepared to do these calls. Um, there's so many things, um, whether it's um, breaching uh, doors, running hoses, um, you know, pumping, you know, running wildfire calls. There's all the stuff we have to do. And, I, and to me, that's, that's part of our job is to train to be able to do that work. Um, you know, a couple, three weeks off, yeah, we can do that, which we have. Even four weeks. Where are we at right now? Four weeks? Wait, will we? Yep. Not a, we'll, we'll be over a month off. Not effectively badly. Um, some, small, some departments where maybe they don't have a lot of members, where, you know, like maybe in uh, Todd's area, where they, they, they're, they're kind of re, um, regrowing their membership right now. They can't really even afford to have any weeks off, which we'll talk and touch on in a minute. But I think we do need to come up with a plan because this could go on, you know, until there's a vaccine, this could go on for a year. Um, we can't just not train for a year. We have to figure out a way to minimize the threat and to carry on through training. And I think small numbers is, is one way. And I think Ash has something to say about that. Yeah. I think uh, like some of the latest things that have been coming out is like we could be looking at this until that, that vaccine is ready to roll out and be, and be effective in the masses. Like we're looking 12 to 24 months. I mean, we're at least a year away potentially from this really getting somewhere. I mean, we don't know. I mean, it can change tomorrow. It could not change for what they're saying, 12 to 24 months. So at, at what point in time do we have to take a hard look at what we're doing, uh, what we're trying to accomplish as an emergency service and implement these things that we've already started to do uh, with all of our calls and how we respond, uh, our social distancing when we're not actively doing something, and then all of the decon on the backside of it. So I think we're getting to that point now where, yeah, you know what, we did have to hit pause. We did have to say, hey, uh, something's happening within the world, and what can we do to mitigate the risks of our members? I believe we've done that now. How do we move forward? Because, yeah, I mean, there's, there's the fact that we have to keep training. We have some new members as well that we have to get through. I mean, they're eager. They're new. They're, like, craving knowledge and they're craving action. And we had to put them on hold as well. Um, at, at what point in time is the risk of not training these, these people greater than leaving them on the sidelines untrained and unable to help us? Todd, I'd like to hear from you a little bit there as well on your point because obviously, as Scott was mentioning there, uh, you're rebuilding your membership from a point of view of obviously you, you, you're trying to get more and more people back through, getting more members on board as well. Um, and for you guys to take a break is a lot more challenging. Um, and obviously, there's a portion of your department um, which is paid as well in the sense of your, your upper upper league there. So what, what, uh, what are you doing about your end of things? How's your department handle it? Yeah, so I, I can agree more with uh, with Scott um, as far as uh, as far as the training goes. So we, our chief, they, they had some pretty heavy discussions with uh, with exactly what you guys are talking about. 
um, is we're pretty delicate if we just stop training outright. Um, you know, it, it could definitely, definitely hurt us. Um, you know, there's a handful of people that will be able to maintain no problem, but we've got a lot of new members that need that, that training. So what we started doing is we implemented a lot of uh, safety things. So mandatory um, hand hygiene, uh, tons of sanitation, hand washing, uh, decontamination of all the trucks, uh, all high touch services in the hall, radios, tables, everything. Um, we made it very clear to all the memberships uh, or people in the membership and the chiefs put out every Tuesday night that if you uh, don't want to come, uh, you don't have to come. It's totally your call. Uh, but if you do want to come, it's, uh, this is required to attend. You have to come in. The first thing you do is wash your hands. It's social distancing. It's in the hall. We have trucks pulled out of the way. So we're just in the main hall. We don't go into the offices at all or the hallways. Um, you know, we'll have our kind of general uh, discussions and safety briefings of what we're going to be doing uh, with everybody standing six feet plus apart. And then we break into small groups and then we're just focusing on just key essentials. So we're really focusing on um, pushing the newer members through kind of the, the nuts and bolts of everything. Um, so starting from the basics, you know, taking a hydrant, uh, certain um, uh, hose lays, how to, how to properly attack fires, car fires, etc. Uh, it's a motto X. Um, you know, just the, the basic, I don't want to call it like you're, you're down dirty kind of crash style of um, like of, of training, like, cause we all know there's, there's a lot more in depth to learn about when you're doing these skills. However, there's a lot to be, you can learn in a short time that's going to carry you a long ways in certain circumstances and with a good team to back we've really been focusing that split into those smaller uh, then you can still um, be fairly isolated when you're doing that training task and heavy on the hand hygiene the cleaning afterwards and if you have any symptoms of anything you don't come to home simple makes sense let's go yeah yeah I think there's going to be two schools of thought uh, in the fire service on how to handle this is, is you can either do um either do a whole lot of courses by zoom which you know a lot of people are doing. Like they're doing full presentations of, uh, of the NFPA manuals by Zoom with, no, with zero hands on. Um, and then you got the other side of the fence, which sounds like we're, we're kind of leaning towards, like Todd's leaning towards, um, is, is no classroom. <laughs> I mean, like some people learn through classroom, but not many people learn firefighting skills through classroom. They learn the knowledge, I guess, of firefighting, but you also learn that knowledge on the fire ground, talk to people face to or not face to face, like from you know instructors. Um, so I think our we're leaning towards the the get away from the classroom, which we usually lean towards anyways, and do this skill. Now the skills I've been thinking about over today and yesterday um, were the same thing. Like we're, we're the basics. Um, we can do um, hoses. Uh, we can do hydrants. We can do forcible entry. We can do venting. We can do venting and forceful entry together. Um, we can do um, forestry, like cutting hand lines and uh, learn how to lay hose for forestry. And we can do all that in the groups of you know three to four. So maybe rather than because right now we usually do three groups of you know six to seven, maybe eight, depending on how many people show up. Maybe maybe ten, depending on how many people show up um, with instructors. But if we cut, if we broke up into four groups, 
um, we can probably get three or four people in a group and do the same similar thing. You know, pull the truck, bay, pull the trucks out of the bay. Everybody gathers, big circle, discuss any safety issues, and then go from there. Grab your gear, and if we want to go to the extreme of everybody grab your gear, put it in your car, drive over to the training ground, if that's where we're going to do it, we can do that, or we just do, you know, four four people on the truck max, drive to the training ground, do the deal, get back, decon everything, go home. Um, that social aspect's going to be lost a little bit, which is kind of which is kind of unfortunate because I we posted something today about or yesterday, whatever that was, about uh, you know stuff you learn at the table in a, in a full time department. Obviously, it's at the breakfast table or, or dinner table, but with us, it's it's after practice where we're, we're all hanging out or even after a call. Um, so, unfortunately, that social aspect's may probably going to be lost a bit, but that's what we have to do to keep the training up. I think. So the, the obviously getting everyone together again and doing it safely or at least safely to the guidelines of what we're obviously being told, just making sure that we're clean, washing our hands as talk you mentioned there as well, um, keeping that distance. And then as long as we're spacing that, it should be really business as usual. Um, if we're thinking, you know, we go to the store and we're standing in a lineup with a whole bunch of random people, which we have no idea who they are, where they've been, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's, uh, there's risks there too. So, you know, the other side of it is that if we're at least on trucks with SCBA and masks, we also have our RZ masks, I guess, too, um, with potential there as well. If we wanted to wear those during, uh, during the meetings, during the briefings, and then during the truck rides over too. So I think the big thing is obviously you're right we need to get back to it at some point. Is it too early? Is it, is it too late? Have we, should we have done this before? What's the conversation that we're having now? Um, something we should have done a week or two ago and just figured out. I think everyone's going through this. Uh, Kev, you got something there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ash and I had a, a spirited text conversation earlier and it was mainly just cause I was bored and wanted to argue. <laughs> Um, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, <weird> eh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I totally agree. Um, some of the things I wish we had access to is more like um, I wish the health officials were um, communicating more with the fire departments, letting us know like, Hey, this is what's going on in your area. I know they're trying to keep things hush hush within our province for some reason, I guess, because they don't want people to freak out if there's someone next door that's infected and stuff like that. But uh, it would be nice if they had some input like, Hey, you know what? Your guys's town is a little lower risk. There's a lot. There's not that many infections. We know of the few that there are, they're being handled. There isn't that many transmissions through the community. So you guys are okay to go ahead and train and do that. Or, hey, you know what, guys? The community is going crazy right now. There's a whole bunch of transmission. You guys should really shut it down. Because they, they're just doing things in a provincial view. And we seem to fall, like our rural areas really fall into what's going on in Vancouver which Vancouver's crazy. The density is way higher there. It really doesn't affect the same kind of things that 
they are being exposed to, we're not being as exposed to. We don't have as much density. So the places of risk for us are like the grocery store, any place like that. But they're not really communicating with us and saying like, hey, you know what, guys, go for it. You guys could do this. Follow your standard precautions. Go ahead. And then like next week, they see a report because they're they have the latest information at their fingertips they can go hey you know what guys things are going crazy oliver you need to stop what you're doing right now let's say you're still okay whatever but uh yeah like just more information yeah, I hear that for sure. Having uh, having some better numbers at least released to emergency services um, for potential cases may help, but I don't know if it would fully change anything in the sense of what's going on. I hear you. It would definitely make us a little bit more cautious with what we're doing. I think as a group, I know for me specifically, I'm being as cautious as I possibly can be without taking it to an extreme, just you know, standing away from people and, and, and doing what needs to be done and only... Um, getting anywhere near somebody that I know um, has certain standards as well, right? So um, with with kind of how they're approaching the situation too. So, yeah, I mean, there is that for sure. Uh, Scott, I know you put your hand up there as well. Yeah, I mean, I, we don't we don't get a we don't get a city by city um, a breakdown of cases. We do get a kind of a regional. Even though they are, our health authority region is, is huge. Um, but overall, I think our numbers in the last week, we've only had three new cases in, in our whole region of our health authority. And one of those was at the prison. <laughs> um, and then and I think one of them was at a, at a nursery. They kind of uh, seem to talk about the, the um, what they're calling the outbreaks. Um, they definitely talk about where those are, but they won't talk about the community outbreaks because I guess like Kevin said, you don't want people to freak out and you don't want people to start blocking the roads to their town. Like oh, our town is totally COVID free. Let's start, let's put a semi truck across the road. No one's allowed in, which could happen one day. You never know. I, and I know what was happening actually somewhere up North. There was a small community. They were uh, <laughs> had roadblocks set up where no one was allowed in, but then they probably realized pretty quickly that that means the food is not coming in either. <laughs> so unless you're totally self-sufficient, you got to let people in. Um, so I, I, I guess that's kind of the only um, thing that we can tell by looking at the entire region is we've only had three in the last, I think three in the last week and then 20 overall, or no, sorry, uh, yeah, 20 in the last day and then 20 the day before. But and most of that, like Kevin said, is down in the, in the bigger regions, you know, where majority of our population is, majority of our population is in the coast, coastal area. Right? Yeah. Where they can't keep socially distanced in parks and then our parks get closed down. Yeah. Yeah, my brother works for the park board and he was saying, uh, like, park board down in the coast. He said, uh, yeah, we're still open. (laughs) 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 uh, We've blocked certain parking spaces and we're having people at the gate reminding people to stay socially distant. I'm like, well, we don't have them here. Why? So I don't know. (laughs) So (laughs) it's kind of a weird, like, obviously no one knows what to do. Like, they're... Everybody, like, like Todd said, everything changes daily. And, every, and that's all over the world. Things change hourly. Um, you know, the, the, our health uh, nurse that everyone is in love with right now in, in our province, she's doing a good job. But I looked at one of her statements in March was um, closing borders doesn't work. That was her statement. Closing borders does not stop the virus from spreading. 
and now everything's closed, right? Um, so something happened from then to realize, oh yeah, okay, closing borders would work. Maybe closing sooner might have worked sooner. Um, so it, it changes every every minute of every day. Um, so I don't think anyone actually has a, there's no blueprint to this, obviously. After, after this, there might be a blueprint, but right now, everybody's kind of winging it. So back to the fire service for us, we have to, we have to also kind of wing it based on the information we have, which is our numbers are down, not our, uh, like our COVID numbers are down. Um, getting that summer area, there's a lot of talk about reopening um, certain places uh, in, in different parts of the world. I know the Americans really want to open up everything. Um, I don't think they're quite there yet. I think we're in a better position than they are to, to start doing that sort of stuff, to start re-examining like, you know, everyone understands social distancing now. Everyone understands, um, you know, everyone understands cleanliness and staying away from each other more. And I think, um, I think in the next few weeks, we'll see some of this stuff start to reopen. I, I hope because we could take this hit for, for three or four weeks. We can't take this hit for, for several months, I don't think. In the fire service and in the economy. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the real world aspect of it is how long can we sustain this way? How long can people sustain this way? There's people that are running out of money everywhere. And, you know, it's tough to kind of keep doing this. Everyone's taking a hit. The economy's taking a hit. Everything's strange. And I think is, this has changed everything forever, um, for good and for bad. Um, and will we bounce back? Absolutely. But things have completely changed. And this is definitely, like I said, the, uh, it's definitely going to be an opportunity for lots of different businesses and, and jobs and things to come of it for sure. I definitely see a lot of the medical industry taking a lot of their own onus now on making their own equipment as well as making their own drugs, because obviously we can't import a lot of the stuff from external, which is going to definitely help Scott. Yeah, this is like we're, well, I mean, we are, this is like we're at war right now, right? And like I said before, uh, I've said this a few times, war always, well, always enhances our, our equipment. And a lot of stuff we use in fire service, medical, definitely medical. Medical gets huge, right? Because when war happens, we get all these medical advancements. So basically, we're, we're at war right now with the virus. And after this, there's going to be, I'm guessing there's going to be huge advancements, probably in PPE for sure, um, probably in uh, medical, like ventilators and all that stuff. Um, there's that. I'm suspecting next time there's any even a hint of an epidemic, they're going to lock down a lock down that country. They're not going to just be like, yeah, let's let people fly. <laughs> that country's getting locked down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was watching an interview today with Bill Gates, and he said, you know, like he he obviously warned everyone about something uh, about this exact thing many years ago during a TED talk, and so I was just rewatching that, and he said, you know, like. It, regardless of what I said and regardless of the power that I have as the person that I am and how many ears that I bended during that time, only about 5% of the work that we needed to do as a planet was done in order to stop this. And now here we are. And he said, we got really lucky because this instance where it, it's just what it is. Yes, people are dying. Absolutely. But it could have been so much worse um, and we could have had something just absolutely horrific decimating populations um, and that was what he was trying to warn everyone about at least initially there so you know the, the situation is it could be worse um, yeah we're all isolated to our homes but you're right back to training um, so let's talk about training and how that looks so Todd had mentioned obviously smaller groups 
Um, we talked about, you know, large circles in the base, having those conversations, uh, your decom processes. Um, is there anything that's really crucial? Because obviously when, when this is looked at, and again, this is all stigma at the moment, regardless of how much we practice social distancing. Um, when you say, well, yeah, I was at fire practice with 29 to 30 other guys, whatever. Well, hang on a minute. You know, there's going to be that conversation. Now, how do we address that? Obviously, we can talk about the things we do and how we're controlling each other's space and things like that. But um, what is it that we can tell maybe even other departments, the things that we're going to be doing as we go forward here to get this back and going rolling again? I think, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ash. Or Todd. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think you have to look at this like this is our job, and it is. I mean, it just this doesn't need to break down to full-time, pick-on-call, true volunteer. This is still our job, regardless of how we get paid to do it. There's going to be nobody looking at the full-time fire department being like, you guys shouldn't be at the hall. Well, they're doing all of their job all day while they're at the hall. Now they're going to all run calls, they're going to do, they're going to do their work, and they're going to go out on the apron and they're going to train a new technique or something that they've already thought about or they've been looking to implement. Well, we don't have that opportunity. So our job for us happens to be on Thursday where we go in and we do our job once a week to make sure that the trucks are ready. Our skills are honed. We are at the best possible shape to go out and help the public. So I look at that as, you know, and it comes down to, it's going to be training. It's going to be truck checks. It's going to be paperwork. Like all of that stuff falls under our job. So if you start to take some of that stuff away, there's implications to the public. And I mean, I get that we're still going to be able to go out and put a car fire. If I didn't see any of you guys for three months, uh, it's going to be fine. But you're like, there's, there's a takeaway point where, you know, you're, you can't just rely on your skills that you learned three years ago, you need to keep those things honed or else you start to get a little bit fuzzy. You, you start to, to lose that aggressive technique that we built up along this time because there's going to be hesitation because of this. So would they look at the staffed paramedic and say, well, you shouldn't be at work. No, I don't believe that they would. So we should be able to combat that by saying like, Hey, this is also our job. And at what point is our job, being ready for you less important because we're volunteer or paid on call. Yeah. Yeah. Todd, you had something, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Ash said that perfectly. Uh, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and actually just one thing I noticed, um, one of the other departments on the Island, they've got a very aggressive, um, uh, social media platform as well. So I, I follow them on Facebook and Comox fire department there. They've, they're doing great, great stuff. They're showing on their social media that they're training in small groups, socially dis distancing, um, the cleaning measures in all their apparatus. The hall is huge. They've got a schedule. Like it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. And I think that'd be uh, pretty hard to argue that it was, they weren't taking extra safe measures. If somebody was to start bitching and complaining about what they're doing. A, they're keeping keeping up their their training standard, and it's probably cleaner than it ever has been in the past. So it's, I mean, we talked about this in, in our field, the PPE and the decontaminating and the cleanliness and the hand hygiene and stuff has always been there. 
It's, it's no different than what we're doing right now. It's just everybody got lazy and stopped doing it. Uh, so <laughs> there's, there's no difference. You just need to keep up on doing it. And now the added step is that social distancing and just being extra aware of what's going on if you have any symptoms. Um, so I think as long as we can now start doing that training again, I personally don't see why we can't do it safely in small groups and showing that we're, we're achieving um, all the, uh, the, the rules followed by the province um, versus just 30 guys jumping in a room and, and socializing. We're not doing that. We're taking all these measures. So it's pretty easy to, to, um, to show the public if they argue it. I like that idea, actually. Yeah, it's, again, using social media as a tool, recording what you're doing. Hey, you know what? We're obviously understanding that this is still the situation. We're not bending or breaking any rules. We're doing what we need to do to ensure that we are safe to be able to protect you and make sure that you're safe. And we're doing that while still maintaining our social distancing. We're deconning regularly and thoroughly uh, to actually a standard which... Uh, again, like you had mentioned, we probably should have been doing before, and I'm really happy to see it's come in again now to be a new standard, which we will continue to uphold as we move forward. Now, it's a really, really yeah. positive thing that's come from that. Um, and I think showcasing that through social media would be a fantastic way of being able to really kind of, hey, public, we're doing it. We're still doing it safely, and uh, we still want to make sure that we're ready to go when we need to be. Transparency. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyone else got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just, I mean, I was going to say everything you guys just said about, we just got to preload, preload the public. So you have to do, you can't, uh, you can't do it and then be like, wait for people to complain. You do it, you, you prepare a statement beforehand, say we're going to be training, we're going to be back into training. Um, next week we're going to be back into training. Um, these are the reasons why for everything that Todd just said and these are the steps we're going to take for everything that Carl just said and um, this is why we we have to do it. So you're always going to get someone complaining but I can't see anyone actually making too much of a stink about it. If you can prove that everything's safe, like we were saying grocery stores, everything's are open, right? Um, mm-hmm. We are an essential service. We're calling it essential service. And if it's part of our job, it's part of our job. Part of our job is to train. A yeah, big part of our job. Big part of our job. Big part of any fire department is to train. So, yeah. yeah. So you got to be prepared for for anything, and you got you got to be subjective too. Like that's why we said to our members that if you personally feel that you know what, I'm not comfortable with going to the hall to do this training, even with the social distancing and the hand hygiene and stuff we have in place, that's fine. You don't have to come. But why, how is that different than when that pager was off and now you're responding to the call and now you're sitting in that truck with the same person? It's the exact same thing. Those procedures, if you want to make them SOPs or OGs, whatever, it's exactly the same. Um, you, yeah, we need, you need to keep up the training and the skill. And you can do that safely now that we're aware of how this virus spreads and how things are changing. And we've got a lot of uh, experience in what we're doing. Now we can start preparing for it and doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Ash? Yeah, so I got to thinking today, and, like, we're nowhere near having to make any sort of, like, we, we're, we are being very, very much in our, in our department, much like Todd's is as well, where if you don't feel comfortable, you don't attend. So, like, that's great. 
for today. That's great for next week. If this lasts 24 months, what's that going to look like? I mean, I don't feel comfortable standing back and saying, yeah, you know what, if you don't feel comfortable for the next year, don't come to practice. Right. So I know we're not there. I don't think I'm, I strongly hope that we're never going to be there, but like at what, at what point in time do we have to even tighten those reins a bit? And again, like, I, I hope we never have, we never have to get there, but you know, I started after talking with Cav and after talking with some, somebody else who came in today, I started thinking the long term, like we're being very, I don't want to say accommodating, but we're, we're being very, very safe. Like we're really erring on the side of caution with this, making sure we have all of our ducks in a row as best as we can before we proceed. And I think that's the right choice. Now, if this continues for X months, X year or more, um, I don't even know what that's going to look like. So as long as we're doing the best that we can with the social distancing, with the smaller groups, yeah, I don't know what, what that would look like being, being wide open on saying, yes, you can come only if you feel okay. Yeah, Kev, I think. Oh, hold on. Oh. One second. Sorry. Sorry, Todd. Kevin, you got something? Yeah, I just wanted to mention, I was going to try to say it earlier, but uh, to Ash, um, I I can see, like, there's been a few members that work out of town. They go work for a couple weeks at a time on shift, and then they come back. You can You can tell. Like you can just tell that the the dullness in the skills from being away for even like a couple of weeks, it's it's alarming, really. So if we do have some people that are going to be gone, like because they don't feel comfortable coming in for a month or even a couple of weeks, it's going to be a factor. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Todd, you had something there? Yeah, I was just going to say further to what ash is saying like you know we know this is going to go on for a while we don't know how long you know there's talk about a second wave in the fall things like that so this is going to change everything we do as a society not just emergency services so whether the next few months you know we start implementing um almost like training crews like okay this week, you know, 12, you're going to come and you're going to break off into three groups or wh- how, whatever your numbers may be. So they're small groups, right? So we can, we can adapt. We, we do it in every call, every training night. So I think we just need to decide as a group that, okay, if we're going to start training, now let's sit down, you know, delegate what that's going to look like, how you're going to um, break it down into those small groups. And yeah, I think we can absolutely function well as, as fire departments doing our due diligence and training and keeping everybody safe and keeping our members safe. But the first step is to make sure that if anybody is feeling any sort of symptoms, they need to notify the officers and say, Hey, I'm not coming because I have X, Y, Z. And then you do the self-isolation steps as per the province. Yeah. Solid point. Uh, Scott, you had something there. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Okay, Kev, you had some? Um, but just listening to Todd there had an idea of having like, you can have a preamble for training night. Have like, hey, so-and-so 
like this name, this name, this name, you guys are assigned to truck bay four and they just show up to four and everyone's, whoever's doing the training there is all there and everyone gets that corner of the bays, the other bays, truck bay one or whatever, they can be doing something else. So you're separating amongst even the bay and you're limiting that amount of time standing around. Even if you are social distancing, you're just limiting that exposure time of being in that larger group and you can get down to business, get it done quick and easy and clean. Makes sense. Scott, you, you, uh, your brain remember, came back. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 like what Todd was saying and what Kevin just kind of said too. Um, the challenge with trying to tell people when to come in is um, in a volunteer service from day to day. I don't know who's coming in. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if this guy's showing up for practice. I could have a team of four and the whole team's out there. Um, and actually the chief and I were talking about that. She said, well, maybe we can, you know, tell those three guys, four guys not or to come right to meet that person. I said, yeah. And then we started talking like what happens if, if those guys aren't even there and now you're left with one person. Um, so you almost have to bring everybody in and be like, what did you do last week? You're with these guys. And, and I don't necessarily think putting people in a group and that's your group is the best thing because especially in the volunteer service, you're going to be on different trucks with different people all the time. And I think from what Kevin sees is not only are, are the skills rusty, it's also the fact that you haven't worked with anybody. You haven't worked with your crew when you're away, you know, working on the oil rigs, you come back after a month, you haven't worked with a crew at all. Um, so it's not just your skills. It's also your ability to communicate with um, your fellow firefighters because um, you haven't been around for a while. They're kind of looking at you like, well, what have you learned lately? And uh, it's just that cohesion. So I think it has to be, it has to be everybody comes and then we divide up. We can have everybody come and spread way out, but yeah, we definitely need to mix those groups uh, because we're not, we're not ABC shift, right? We're not, you know, we're not like, uh, we're not, we don't have any competitions like the, the full-time guys have, right? You know, that goddamn C shift did this, you know, that kind of stuff. We're the, we're the shift. 35 people are the shift. <laughs> so we all have to be together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it sounds to me like, uh, this is just another problem that we all need to solve. And we just need to look at it in the same way that we would look at this. If this was a, if this was a fire call, if this is a scene right now, and this is one hell of a scene that everyone's having to deal with, how do we all come together to look at this problem, break it down into its parts start selecting the things that are important and that we know we need to do now we have the like todd said now we have the information on how this thing works we've got that knowledge now and we've had that time off to understand what this thing does so if that's the case how do we build a solution around that and i think kev's point there of you know, segmenting the groups, different areas of the bays, like we discussed, they're putting all the trucks out, making sure that we've got that, again, social distancing side of things, and then arranging that in a manner that is comfortable for everybody to feel like they want to come, as well as practical, as well as, you know, following the rules and making sure that we've got enough people to endure a good training uh, session when we get everyone together. This is just another problem that we are all very well tuned in solving. Um, and it sounds like we've got some, oh, Ash has got some ducks about. 
dog, man. <laughs> your dog's That's weird. Your dog. Yeah. <laughs> your dog tired. Humped. That was his yawn. Uh, I think your dog humped, <laughs> humped, humped like uh, a squeaky toy. Oh, Christ. <laughs> but yeah, again, anyway. just another problem, right? Yeah, I think we have to, we have to innovate, on? adapt, overcome, like like our motto on one of our shirts says, right? Um, we have to carry on. Because an option is not to not train. <laughs> it's not the option. Yeah, maybe for a few weeks it is, but not forever. And, uh, you know, we have to we have to come up with a plan. Because you can't just be left, no, ah, we're not going to train forever till the, till the vaccine comes. It's not going to work. Um, Absolutely. We're having those discussions. Well, we've actually had them for a couple of weeks now is with all of our new forestry gear because we only have a handful of guys that are pretty savvy with the, um, the Forest Service when, when they work with them for the fire attackers. You know, so now trying to bring in that information, we had structure protection uh, classes, S100 classes signed up for everybody to do, but now all that's been canceled. So it's, uh, it's a different world. But now we need to – we need, still need to train everybody and get them – you know, response ready on all this equipment. So we, we have to, we have, we have to get guys together and train on this because it's going to happen more and more. We're going to see more wildfires. And if Ministry of Forest is depleted, now are we going to be rolling out there more? And if we are, we're going to have to get out there short and sweet, you know, to, to get on it before it gets big or it's going to get really big, really fast. And it's going to become our problem. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, again, going back to new members, anyone who's taken people on during this period, those guys need to be trained too. We need those extra hands. There's a reason that they were hired and we want to make sure that again, everyone's safe, but that being that being safe is also making sure that we can use you on a, on a call and making sure that you're going to be safe on a call because you've had the training prior to actually going out on an actual scene to actually do the job that you need to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any more for any more? Okay. Well, I've been trying then, to pull up that wildfire north of Lytton. It's supposed to be getting pretty big, but I, Computer's not working. Computer says no. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was gonna say one thing before we wrap up. Um, from people that are actually working out. <laughs> I don't know if anyone is or not, but um, Todd, no, Carlos, <laughs> Kevin is. I'm gonna ask. We went for a bike ride today. Yeah, well, yeah, you know what? You don't have to be like jacking yourself at the gym obviously there's no gyms open um can't go to the fire hall because it's closed um but there's actually a, uh on facebook uh sheepdog responses has really good workouts daily um it's tim kennedy he used to be a ufc fire green Bray guy um awesome workouts because they're they're you can kind of layer them and like how we train um you know if you want to do four reps of the thing you can if not you just you know i like made i think i got through there's, there's basically three stages to each workout. I got through like two reps from stage two, one rep from stage, or sorry, two reps from stage one, one rep from stage two, and then halfway through stage three. <laughs> 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 and I, right now I'm making better lift my arms. Um, I mean, I haven't really worked out in a while. Like jiu-jitsu was my workout, and obviously you can't social distance in jiu-jitsu. 
It's the exact opposite. <laughs> that would be the most awkward role ever. I tapped I tapped like eight times like that. Qi Gong. So, yeah, if you want to, that uh, sheepdog responses, they got to basically a workout for every day uh, the last nine days. I'm assuming they're going to keep going. And they're, they're workouts with no uh, no equipment. So it's uh, other than like a kettlebell, I think is the most I've seen out of all the nine days. Yeah, and they're not like, they're not like some CrossFit crazy Jocko workout where, you know, you're spending three hours working out. It's, you know, 20 minutes kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, and they all kind of fire fit, fire related. I mean, they're not fire related; they're military related, but they're it's kind of the same skill set, right? Kind of same lifting, pulling, dragging. You know? Yeah, yeah, push, pull, lift, drag, carry—all the kind of yeah. the five main hits. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's it's important, especially right now. There's a lot of time that people have on their hands, and uh, I know that me me and Kev have been hitting it now this we're on our week six beginning of week six of our eight-week program or at least our first eight-week program that's been going solid um it, it, with more time that everyone has right now obviously you're stuck indoors the best thing that you can do is to make sure that you're uh, you're trying to do something um just to make sure that you're doing something because normally we're up we're on our feet we're out the door we're here there and everywhere and we're not doing that at the moment and uh, complacency will kill us in the end, and we can't. can't really start, good at so. Call of Duty, <laughs> man. <laughs> we have been modern warfare and out on Warzone. That's what this up. Scott finally killed people the other day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got four. It was <laughs> oh five. I'm sorry, five. <laughs> um, yeah, Damn, I'm taking yeah. over your Xbox. What? <laughs> he goes, he goes, what? <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'll be on after this. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Any more for any more? Okay. Then uh, let's. <laughs> someone's got something. <laughs> you don't want to go in there, Mama. <laughs> we'll do. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kev RZ masks. RZ masks are great. They. Uh, <laughs> I'm unlikely to get some, but when they do start coming through again, they're they're what we. Uh, we use and what we recommend. Uh, the unlikely event of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Very unlikely. Yes, again. Yeah. I, I carry mine like I have my two two sets. I carry my extra one with me in my truck. Yeah. If I ever need it, it's right there. I can grab it and use it at work or use it. I'm stopping at the side of the road for whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's great. And if you want to get some once they have some more stock in, uh, DTFF gets you 5%. No, nope. uh, it's 30. 30. Oh, 30. Boom. DTFF. <laughs> Big 30. three yeah. zero. We got too many discount codes and too many numbers. It's true. It's true, we do. <laughs> yeah. We need to just yeah. formulate them all together. But, yeah, there you go. 
Uh, Scott. Motus. 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 <laughs> yeah, uh, Motus. The snagger tool. I haven't actually got to use my snagger tool much because uh, we haven't really had many fires. No training right I should, now. I should so, see your kettlebell. Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Open the door with it. I don't like Rob did. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, um, you can. Hey, <laughs> no, uh, the snagger tool is just one of the many many products they have now. Um, obviously, they have the door wedge. We've just put out the videos, which are getting really good traction, I believe, um, for the new, I was going to say forcible entry, not the forcible entry, the new soft entry tool, uh, which is basically a shove knife, but uh, the smart fellows there were, um, were good enough to put it into a, I guess, exacto knife sort of thing. Um, you know, check that video out. That's a really good video, Ash. Gets through that door like uh, like he's a criminal or something. <laughs> back there. Way to show him how to do it, Ash. Yeah. Yep. Um, no comment. Here yeah. comes the hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> we already got on the C ride. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. You know, and on that stuff, like <laughs> criminals know how to break into stuff. We don't have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's too late. A fucking hammer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> drive a truck through the door i'd be really <laughs> glad if they did some soft entry and i didn't have to spend a thousand dollars there you go place the door there you go <laughs> i mean the skilled criminals Consider- are like skilled, you know there's they're like skilled you know a new criminal is like a skilled rookie that gets taught by a, another criminal they don't just make this stuff up they get taught by seasoned criminals how to do these things so so in jail yeah in jail <laughs> uh, when they get out of jail they got a buddy that just came out of jail so they learn these things. We're not teaching them through our little video. So settle down, public, or whoever's watching this. It's going to get the sea rat. Settle down. You know, no one's watching. <laughs> no one's buying his stuff to break into places. And if they are, whatever, they're going to make it anyways. So, um, anyways, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, <laughs> moving on. You were saying how um, well Ash can break into things, and now he's now teaching criminals how to break I, into things. Right. Um, and one other thing, the other new piece of kit that Modus came out with was the uh, was a hybrid wrench, and uh, it's really good. Opens up the hybrid really fast. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think you're going to open it up so fast that you're going to get water hammer. Like you'd have to go friggin' fast in a hybrid to get mm-hmm. like water hammer. You may over crank it by accident, so you just got to be cognizant of that. Be mindful um, when you do it. But it is a great piece of gear. Um, it fits. All of our hybrids so i'm assuming it's going to fit most hybrids um throughout the world and it, it just gives you that extra bit of leverage um not only one point but there's you know there's multiple points to do it on so it's 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 a great great tool so check those two videos out and uh check out modus uh dtff5 gives you five percent yeah yeah those videos have been hitting hard most have give some uh, extreme extreme love and appreciation for putting those together. And I know they've reshared them out too. Uh, we've, yeah, it's, it's actually our, our biggest, most viewed video with zero boost. No, we didn't do anything to it. It just exploded, which is fantastic. So, uh, more product reviews definitely in the pipeline for us boys. I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that too. Cool. Um, so Modus was very, very appreciative of what we did. 
um, and just to continue our relationship with them. Um, I meant to send it over to you guys, which I'll do right after we get off of this. But they have another new tool coming out. Um, yeah, so uh, I will share it with you guys privately and with uh, all of our listeners know that there's some more product coming, which we will be um, adding to our uh, video reviews. Oh, shit. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so excited. Sorry. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> a new tool? <laughs> just flip the table. I um, know. <laughs> okay. Uh, Motus and then RZ and then uh, let's do Ash. We'll do the C-Rat. Yeah, so uh, the C-RAT, uh, Ignition USA, uh, it's just Seattle Rapid Access Tool, um, like Scott was already saying. So it's it's an awesome soft entry tool, um, allows you to gain access to your premises and still have the availability to leave it uh, secure when you leave. So if it's a fire call and the building's on fire, are we going to be fumbling around? I don't see that tool coming out. I see we're going to force and get our asses in there. Um, but there's many, many calls where something like that could, could come into play. Um, and it does more than one thing, which is nice. So like any other firefighter tool, space is limited. So it's giving you multiple tools in one compact uh, and fairly easy to use as I'm learning. I can break into some shit pretty quick. So it's a, it's a pretty versatile tool. So check that out. Um, Ignition USA. Uh, he's on all the major social media platforms. And if you like what you see there, uh, GTFF 2020 will get you 20% off. Boom. Just like that. Uh, Todd, stop the bleed. StopBleed.org. Um, yep. Carry a tourniquet on your person out of the wrapper. Scott says you'll uh, got your nick of beer. Uh, about uh, wound packing and carrying tourniquets and how important they are. Practice them. Practice, practice, practice. That's the other big thing. Um, and uh, if you can get an instructor who is uh, pretty savvy and willing to uh, think outside the box, the course is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we talked a lot about it in the past and Maybe one day when we're allowed to get back into the public and do some training, some more videos. But um, for now, it's going to be on hold. Yeah, I'm one. The practice of it is one thing, but I'm wondering whether we could put together something, not necessarily on Zoom, but something more um, us recording it and recording a demo and recording the whole spiel. Because again, with this, like Ash said, if we, if this lasts however long, it would be a really, really good opportunity for other people. Again, spread that message, get it out there in front of way more people. And, uh, and then people can practice on their own. If they want to then get the certificate uh, certification, then they can go through an actual process with an instructor in person later once all this is done but i think it might be a great idea for us to maybe put it together but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit more um so you're talking again ash sorry one thing, one thing on uh on stop the bleed um not directing people to other podcasts but um mind of the warrior podcast uh episode 49 they had uh, yes two guys from stop the bleed um the two uh one of the i think it's the main guy from stop the bleed 
Um, yeah. And then Dr. Mike Simpson, who is uh, a special forces medic. He's a ER doctor. Uh, he's a really good podcast on that stuff. And uh, he's always talking stop the lead. And in this, this one podcast, they had uh, those guys on. Really. So if you don't want to believe us, believe those guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's really good. One thing I really like what they talked about is, is that it's so like you want you want somebody who has been uh you know in the ship like a long time paramedic long-term military uh, law enforcement people that have been exposed to these and know what they're talking about like not just you know top and away you go and then get in there and, and get dirty and get bloody fake blood yeah they're definitely pushing the the, the whole high fidelity training yeah. that's really the only way you're, you're gonna remember that stuff um you know, once you're in that position and you see that even if it's fake blood, you can visualize that stuff better. And then, uh, you know, you get out in the real world and something happens, you're just going to be like, oh, yeah, it's just like fake blood. You know, it's a little warmer. <laughs> there might be more of it, but it's, you know, it's, it's just, I'm just going to put this tourniquet on. Just go from there, right? Yeah. Well, we talk so much about inoculation for fire. Um, and I think it comes down to the same thing for anything that you want to be able to ingrain in stressful situations. You need to be able to do it repeatedly and you need to be able to do it safely and you need to be able to do it without really thinking it needs to be reactionary as opposed to, um, thought process that, that has to happen because it'll slow you down. You need to be quick. So yeah, check that out. And maybe we will talk about putting something together for that as well potentially. Uh, and then we have Matt's calls. Um, Matt's calls is, um, second alarm.org. They are trying to get more volunteer firefighters into our fire halls. It's going to be a national cause. Any opportunity you get that you can go over and show some support, especially those departments that are short staffed right now and looking to fill more seats. They are going to be able to help push that uh, push that through and really, really kind of drive home the message of why we all do what we do. So go and check them out. Secondalarm.org. And then we obviously, Ash, last but not least, I guess. Oh, nope. We have Legion Engineered first. Legion Engineered. Uh, Legion, Legion. Yeah, they've got a lot of good swag. Uh, go online and check them out. Um, Ash and I have got some hats and maybe some stickers one day eventually. Um, but they've got a lot of good apparel in there. A portion of the proceeds go to uh, PTSD awareness as well. And uh, Joel Struthers, he's also written a book, Appel, a Canadian in the French Foreign Legion. And a couple of the boys have already been reading it. Already got it. Good. Done it. There you go. Yeah, if anyone wants it, buy it. I'm not going to lend it to you. <laughs> 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 legit <laughs> uh yeah and then ash bar boys how can we forget those guys um <laughs> again it was uh, three episodes ago we did yeah very very we we love our brothers from the south they're uh, uh the brotherhood academy radio podcast uh great group of guys uh, we actually just did a collaboration episode with them. It was uh, uh, super fun. We went super sideways, which I really wouldn't expect anything other than that happening. Um, so that was really good. 
um, they're every Sunday release and they do have a bonus episode on uh, Wednesdays. So if you like uh, what you see here, I'm sure you'll love that. If you listen to us all this time, um, unless it was three episodes ago, we would have drilled this into your head. So check those guys out. Uh, Brotherhood Academy Radio Podcast. I was to say, uh, Nick's editing of Paul is amazing. He did a very good job. <laughs> the things- he did a very good job. Yeah, I was like, okay, how's he going to do this? Oh, basically... I guess it wasn't that amazing. He cut up like an hour of our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said it over like that too. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah there you go. All right, boys. And then obviously we have us. So uh, we are available on all of the social media platforms that you can find us on, especially the Facebook where we have our largest audience. We post everything we possibly can, um, which we like, find useful, think is good information for other people. Um, we also create, obviously, a lot of our own content, um, as you can see from some of the reviews that we do, uh, well as our quarantine videos, comedy stuff, etc., things like that. So we do, uh, we put out a lot and we enjoy doing it all. So if you are interested in giving us a follow, a like, and we uh, appreciate it, especially reviews and things like that. Uh, it's always good information for uh, other people when they can come to the page, have a read, and um, check out exactly um, what's going on with us and the video. Because what is with everyone turning their cameras off, Norman? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to me, eh? Wrap it up! <laughs> And on that note, um, if you could just uh, drop us a like, drop us a follow, and uh, <laughs> and uh, stay safe and stay DTFF, I mate. <laughs> We're done. Uh, Ash. Uh, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Scott. Good night. Kev. Good evening. Todd. Good night. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. Stay DTFF. 